Gonzaga's got a big game on Saturday against Santa Clara, but first, they need to make sure they don't fall victim to a trap game against UP in the friendly confines of the Child Center. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome into the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Folks, new customers who join right now will get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Well, we got discussion on Lisa Fortier and the women's team. They keep getting nominated for awards. We're going to talk about what that might look like for them. We're also going to talk about some Zags playing overseas. Rasir Bolton having an outstanding first professional season of his career. We're going to talk about that. But first, we're going to get you ready for tonight's game against the Pilots of Portland, February 22nd, 6 p.m. Pacific time. The game will be on KHQ in the Spokane market. It will be on Root Sports in the Pacific Northwest, Portland, Seattle area market. And then for, for those of you outside of that market area, it will be on ESPN+. Plus. Again, join us in our Discord channel. We're always helping people find the streams to these games if they need some help with it. We're also chatting throughout the game in our Game Threads channel. Uh, join there. It is free to join. There's a link in the show notes. However, I'm not going to be as active in the Discord channel as typical because I will be at this game. I live in the Portland area. Very excited to get a chance to go see this Gonzaga team for the first time in a few months. I haven't seen them since December. Excited to get a chance to go see this team. If you're going to be at the game at the Child Center, come say hi. Let me know you're there. I'll come try to say hi to people as much as I can. Looking forward to getting to meet some Zags fans and see see what should be a good, good game for the Zags. Hopefully a good game for Gonzaga that was not an issue for Gonzaga last time, of course, at the McCarthy Athletic Center. Gonzaga won that one 96-64, and they got off to a blistering hot start, particularly from three. I think they finished making 15 three-pointers in that game. That was quite arguably the best game that Gonzaga's played all season long. I think you're going to pick Kentucky if you're picking the best game, and I think you should pick Kentucky, but just in terms of a full 40 minutes of excellent dominant basketball, it's between this game, Gonzaga's first game against LMU, and of course, the Kentucky game as well. And we kind of talked about this with LMU as well, like these two teams have sort of gone in the opposite direction. And Portland was, frankly, hasn't really been going in a positive direction for the majority of the season. I think you could make an argument that the best win the pilots have picked up all season was in the opener when they beat Long Beach State at home. I think that genuinely might be. I didn't look all the way through the net and Ken Palm rankings, but there's a real chance that's the best best win that Shantae Leggins and the Pilots have picked up this year. Since Gonzaga beat Portland a few weeks ago, UP has gone 0-3. They lost at home to St. Mary's, 76-51, 25-point loss there. Not a real shocker. St. Mary's has been doing that to just about everybody that they have played. They did have a close one against San Francisco on Tuesday night, but managed to secure a victory there. Meanwhile, for Portland, they also lost on the road to San Diego, 71-66. And then they lost at Pepperdine by 21 points, 91-70 to was the final score. And that went a big part of the storyline for the Pilots 
Last time these two teams played, it was announced before the game that Tyler Harris was not going to suit up their star freshman guard. Uh, He did not suit up against Gonzaga. He did not suit up against St. Mary's. He did, however, suit up against San Diego. And as you recall, Gonzaga won by 28, St. Mary's won by 25, Pepperdine won by 21, San Diego won by 5. Now, Gonzaga and St. Mary's are better teams than San Diego. That is understandable, but that's the difference Tyler Harris makes because he played against San Diego. He played 33 minutes in that game. He had 19 points, 10 rebounds, and three steals. This kid is good. He is really good. He's one of the best from a talent perspective, pure freshman in the WCC. Might be the best. If you're going pure freshman, it's him, Dusty Stromer, obviously very talented, not putting up those kind of numbers. Uh, Kevin Patton at San Diego has been very, very good. Uh, I know USF has a couple good freshmen, Ryan Beasley among them. But Tyler Harris has been excellent. He's a six foot eight guard. He can shoot the three. He's a good defender. Uh, he gets steals. He gets blocks. Really good find by Coach Leggins and the Pilots. But he's been out. And right now, as I record this right now on Wednesday evening, I don't know if he's going to play for the Pilots on Thursday. If he does, Still doesn't necessarily like put Gonzaga on a major upset watch. I don't think this Portland team is just not, frankly, not that good, but he helps quite a bit. And I think highlighting the difference in those three games uh, in terms of the overall final score gives you a decent indication of, of how impactful he is for this team. The Pilots are nine and 19 overall on the year. They're just three and 10 in the WCC. They're in eighth place. There's only nine teams in the WCC, folks. Pacific is the worst team in the conference. Portland's right there, only a half game behind LMU, but I didn't have LMU and Portland as seven and eight in the conference this year. Not, not good stuff from them. Shout out to San Diego for being a little better than I thought. Shout out to Pepperdine for being a little better than I thought, but yeah, been some rough stuff from Shante Leggins' team this year. Uh, And we're going to talk about what we want to see from Gonzaga in this game, because the child center is kind of another home away for home from Gonzaga. We'll talk about that a little bit, but One of the main things I think looking at the last couple games for Gonzaga is tightening up the defense. I don't think Gonzaga's defense was like awful in the last couple of games. They gave up a lot of points to Kentucky, but I'm not worried about that. They won. They beat Kentucky. Kentucky's exceptionally good. I don't think the defense was a big issue there. They gave up 74 points to LMU and were obviously losing at halftime, but it didn't feel like that was motivated by poor defense as much as it was LMU had a pretty good game plan and Will Johnston just went nuclear. LMU finished with 74 points in that game. That's good. It's not great. It's not great. Pacific had 76 points, sure, but Gonzaga was up 15 at halftime. Pacific scored a lot more points in the second half. Gonzaga also scored 55 in the second half. That game was just flying, flying up and down the floor. Quick possessions on both sides. I don't think Gonzaga's defense was particularly awful in that game. Having said that, Gonzaga still needs to tighten it up. Their defense has fallen quite considerably at Ken Palm from like 34th to like 56th in the last week-ish or so. So clearly there are some advanced analytics indicating that Gonzaga's defense has suffered the last couple of games. Portland's not a great offensive team, but they shoot the lights out. So for Gonzaga, tightening up the defense, playing better on that end of the floor is critical, not just to winning the game, but to kind of like continuing to build their momentum, build their resume, and and make sure they're in the best position to to win the game on Saturday and win the games next week as well. And then key number two kind of goes along with that. Build some confidence for Dusty Stromer and Luka Krenovich. I'll throw both those guys in there. Dusty hasn't played all that well lately. He hit a bit of a freshman wall, I think is probably part of the story. It's common. Freshmen struggle in February, March. It's just a known thing. Not all of them, obviously, but it is hard. Dusty's also been asked to play a role that's different than what was expected of him. 
He's playing more minutes. He was starting at the beginning of the year. He had more pressure on him. His role has changed in the middle of the year. He's a he's a young freshman. He was a pretty skinny kid. He's lost some weight. Like it's it's hard. And so I think he's just hit a little bit of a wall. But you need him. You need him. He's critical to this team's success. His role has changed, and he's not as critical because Ben has stepped into that starting role. But it's clear Gonzaga needs him, especially on the defensive end of the floor. This is a good opportunity for him to hopefully go out there, play a great game, build some confidence. Krinovich, same thing. Still coming back from that injury, has played well in spurts. Would love to see him get a longer run in this game, eight minutes, nine minutes, 12 minutes even, uh, and just get comfortable playing on the road, comfortable playing a bigger role so that Gonzaga can utilize him down the stretch when they need to. And then key number three, avoid looking ahead to Santa Clara. Santa Clara, it's, it's not quite, doesn't carry the same cachet as like St. Mary's or even San Francisco, but Gonzaga lost to this team and they're ready for revenge. They want to bring them down at the McCarthy Athletic Center on Saturday. These quick one-off road trips where you go down and back and you don't stay, they're kind of hard. And I think for Gonzaga, knowing they beat this team by 28 points, knowing that the crowd in Portland is typically pretty pro-Gonzaga, knowing that they have a big game against Santa Clara on Saturday, you could kind of see how this could become a game that people start to look ahead. Mark Few's done a very good job historically of not letting his players do that, but it can happen. And I think it's a key for them in this game to not let it happen or limit it as much as possible. Key number four, this is more just something I'm watching for. I like seeing Ben Cook at home. Ben's from Clackamas High School. He grew up in Portland. Uh, there's a ton of pictures that his dad posts on social media of him at Gonzaga Games as a kid at the Child Center because he grew up in that area. He was always a Gonzaga fan, so it's always fun when he comes back to the Child Center and gets a chance to play. He only had four points and four boards against Pacific in their last game, but he had 15 against LMU. He had 14 against Kentucky. was hugely critical for Gonzaga in that game. Uh, he only had five points and four boards on one of five shooting last time Gonzaga played Portland. So I'm thinking he's due for a big game. He's feeling it in his hometown. I'm hoping that we see Ben have a really good one for the Zags on Thursday. And then, of course, key number five, empty the bench. We talked about Krinovich. We talked about Dusty Stromer, but I want to see more of Jun Suk Yo. I want to see more of Pavle Stosic. I want to see the walk-ons. Yo had two points and a board and a steal against UP last time out. Stosic played five minutes, but he picked up two quick fouls. Brooks played as well. And then against Pacific, we also saw Yo for three minutes in that one. He had a rebound. Stosic had four points and two boards in that one. And then Brooks and Few both played. Would be nice to see them get another opportunity here, back-to-back games, an opportunity on the road to get into a game, to get in front of the crowd that's, again, it's going to be pretty pro-Gonzaga, especially at the end of the game, uh, and get the get a chance to stretch their legs and play some good minutes for the Zags. We're going to move on and talk about Lisa Fortier, who is up for a major award. We're going to discuss her candidacy and what the Zags need to do to make it happen. All that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, eBay Motors. Passion, drive, patience. That's what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what helps keep your ride or die alive. And eBay Motors has everything that you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts to choose from for your ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. Plus, with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that W. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, and eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers.
Segment 2, still Eddie Batten, still locked on Zags, and we are getting you ready for the women's basketball games coming up this week. They got San Francisco and Pepperdine on Thursday and Saturday. But before we get into that, Coach Lisa Fortier has been named to the Werner Ladder Naismith Women's Coach of the Year Award watch list. She's among the 15 late season finalists to win this award. The semifinalists will be announced on March 14th. The finalists will be announced on March 25th, and then the winner will be announced on April 3rd. This has been a tremendous, unbelievable, jaw-dropping, whatever adjective you want to use season for Coach Fortier and the women's basketball team. They are 26-2 and on the season. They are 13-0 and in conference play. They have already clinched the WCC regular season title outright. It is theirs. Nobody else is going to tie them. Nobody else is going to clip them. They are the winner for that award. And for or for that regular season title, I should say. For Fortier, being among the 15 coaches named to this award is a tremendous accomplishment. The names on this list are phenomenal. Kim Mulkey, of course, being on this list. Gino Ariema not being on this list at UConn, interestingly enough. And so for Fortier to be in this conversation from a mid-major program, I know Gonzaga has ascended into that kind of conversation where they don't get treated like other mid-major programs, particularly on the men's side. It still happens a little bit more so. On the women's side, I think Gonzaga's brand recognition helps them in a pretty significant way, but we've seen it with the way that they've been treated from the seeding perspective. They're not getting into that top 16 conversation despite being a top 15 team at the net, despite being ranked in that conversation, despite their resume, their record, everything that they have accomplished this year. You can still feel it, and part of it is the WCC is legitimately weaker. It is not just a perception issue. It is a, hey, the WCC doesn't have a lot of really good teams outside of Gonzaga on the women's basketball side. But the job that Fortier has done this year with the returners, with this depth of this experience coming back, to still be playing at this level, to be this disciplined, to be this talented, to be able to beat you so many different ways, really tremendous job from her. And and we're seeing the fruits of her labor and the fruits of, of this whole team kind of coming together in a significant way with her being named to this list. Zags were also named the team of the week by the NCAA. That's the third time, the third time this year that Gonzaga has been named the team of the week. They currently have a 20-game winning streak. That is the tied for the second longest in the country behind South Carolina, and it is tied with Fairfield. Another one of those mid-major programs is probably doesn't have as much brand recognition as Gonzaga does. And what I want to do now is I want to take a mailbag question from Wade via Discord. He asked this. I didn't want to wait till Monday, so we're just going to hammer it out now. He says, with Lisa Fortier winning the NCAA Coach of the Week and the team winning the NCAA Team of the Week three times, what do you think the women would need to do in March for Coach Fortier to win National Coach of the Year? Yes, I forgot to mention, Fortier also won Coach of the Week last week in addition to the team winning Team of the Week. What do the Zags women need to do in March for Coach Fortier to win the National Coach of the Year? The first thing that comes to mind is upset South Carolina. Like, honestly, it's kind of that. I mean, South Carolina has not lost this year. They're 25-0. and 0. If they don't lose, if they make it to the Final Four and they have not lost, Don Staley is your Coach of the Year. I just I don't see how it could go any other possible way. They're that good. I think there's other coaches who are in contention if it doesn't go to Don Staley. If, if South Carolina does get upset early, Kim Mulkey at LSU could win this award. Lindsey Gottlieb at uh, USC could win this award. They've been phenomenal. Juju Watkins, one of the best players in the entire country. Scott Reck at Oregon State. They're 21-4. and four. They've had a tremendous season, tremendous season for them. So I, don't, I think 48's got a lot of competition. And to answer the question, frankly, 
in part kind of going back to the conversation that we've already had about this uh, program still being treated a little bit more like a mid-major, I think they need to be in the final four for Coach Fortier to realistically win this award. I don't know if I think that that should be the case. I think if this team goes to a Sweet 16, if they get a five seed, they win their first game against a 12 seed, they certainly got to do that. They upset a four seed and they lose to a one seed. I think it's reasonable for 48 to be considered for that award. But again, if they lose to South Carolina, let's say, how do you not give it to Don Staley? You know, I mean, that's just where it's tricky because you only get one coach of the year. And while a team taking a team that has had this dominance and had this success and leading them to another great successful season may not feel, I don't know, it, it may not feel like it should get the award over somebody kind of exceeding the expectations the way that 48 has, but that's just kind of how it, how it goes. Like I, to compare it on the men's side, I think Amir Abdul-Rahim, the head coach at South Florida is probably the best new coach like first year coach at a new program in college basketball this year. South Florida is like 11 and one or 12 and one now in the AAC. He was the Kennesaw state head coach. It's been a phenomenal year. He's not going to win coach of the year. It's not going to happen. It's going to go to Danny Hurley. It's going to go to Matt Painter. It's going to go, you know, maybe to Kelvin Sampson. Like, and and, and I, I get that. I understand that. But I think that's kind of the same thing on the women's side where it's like, this team is not at that level where you, I mean, you have to be in the final four. You have to be in the national championship game. I just don't think I see a scenario where Fortier wins this award. Even in the Elite Eight, maybe, maybe in the Elite Eight, if some of the other big name coaches who are on this list have already been upset, then I think it's possible. But I think it's pretty unlikely unless they're all the way dancing in that final weekend. The Zags got USF and Pepperdine this week. We're going to just touch on those really quickly. They already beat San Francisco by 19 on the road the last time they played each other. That San Francisco team is 164th in the net ranking. That is fifth in the WCC, mind you. They also beat Pepperdine last time out without Yvonne Ejim. That was when she was with the Canadian Senior Women's National Team, helping them commit or helping them earn a spot in the Olympic Games in Paris in 2024. Uh, They beat them by 37 without Yvonne Pepperdine, 333rd in the net among the worst Division I college basketball programs. Uh, Zach should be 2-0. Once again, 28-2 heading into that final weekend before the WCC tournament. We'll see if it earns them another uh, game team of the week, coach of the week honor as this program continues to rack up awards in what has been a phenomenal season uh, for at least 48 in the women's team. We're going to switch gears one more time to close out the show. Rasir Bolton is crushing it in his first professional season. Meanwhile, Nigel Williams-Goss and Philip Petrusev are teammates and they're winning Greek Cup awards. That and more updates after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. And currently, FanDuel has Gonzaga 21.5-point favorites against the Pilots. They won by more than that last time. And I know they're on the road, but Child Center doesn't feel like much of a road environment. Just saying, if you want to join me in putting some money down on that one, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, an official partner of the NBA. All right, folks, still Andy Patton here. Segment three on the Locked On Zags podcast. And we're closing out the show with a little bit of a European Zags update. I kind of do these monthly-ish. 
Try to do them a little bit more often than that, but it becomes difficult, especially when you're in the season. Get to them a handful more times in the offseason, trying to get you through how everybody did during the regular season. Certainly, we can't go through all 30-plus Zags who are still playing professionally. And yes, so many of them are still playing professionally. Guys that you'd be stunned at how long ago they were at Gonzaga who are still suiting up. Ira Brown is a very good example of that. There are a handful of others who played a long time ago in Spokane who are still playing professionally. We're going to talk mostly about recent guys here on this uh, segment. We're going to talk in particular about Rasir Bolton, who is in his first professional season. But I do want to start with the two Greek Cup winners, Philip Petrusev and Nigel Williams-Goss, teammates with Olympiacos in Greece. They just won the Greek Cup very recently. I was all over social media. If you guys follow either Petrusev or Nigel, they both posted about it. Uh, always fun to see Zags playing with former Zags. Obviously, these two guys did not play together at any time during their Gonzaga careers, but I'm, st- I'm still sure that there's some camaraderie, uh, just familiarity, having been at the same school, being coached by the same play- uh, guy, uh, having some familiar teammates as well. So always kind of fun to see those kinds of things happen. I remember Jeremy Jones and Eric McClellan played together briefly overseas. Uh, and that's always kind of fun to see those relationships develop. Petrusev played three games in the NBA earlier this year before he signed in Greece. He played one with the 76ers who drafted him way back in 2021 and brought him over to play in the United States this year. He played three minutes with them and had one rebound. He was then traded to the Sacramento Kings, only played seven minutes in two different games with Sacramento, did score three points, so at least he will always forever be in the NBA books as having scored points. Uh, After that, he was released ended up going back overseas and signing with Olympiacos. He has played six games so far with that team, averaging 11.2 points, about five boards, and 1.7 assists. Meanwhile, Nigel Williams-Goss, he is a veteran of playing overseas. He's in his seventh professional season since leaving Gonzaga after that national championship run in 2017. Uh, He played with Olympiacos back in 2018-19, played 23 games with them then, averaged 11.5 points and about five assists. Uh, Then he's bounced around quite a bit. He spent the last two years at Real Madrid in Spain. And this year he's back with Olympiacos, 10 games so far with them, 9.9 points, 3.5 assists, and 2.3 boards. Always cool to see, like I said, former Zag teammates playing together overseas. I was happy to see this come together when I was checking Instagram. Like, oh, they both posted it. I wonder why. Oh, because they're both on the same team. Uh, A couple other things, a couple other updates. Talk about Kyle Wilcher here. He is excelling in his first season in Italy. Wilcher has been a very, very well-traveled professional basketball player. He's currently playing for Venezia, excuse me, in the Italian league. Uh, In 19 games with them, he's averaging about 12 points, about four rebounds, shooting 37.5% from three. Wilcher, like I said, he's played about everywhere. He played briefly with the Houston Rockets, played with the Rio Grande Vipers in the G League for a while as well. Uh, He's also played in Greece. He has played in Spain. He has played in Turkey. He has played in China. And now he is playing in Italy, making the rounds all over uh, Europe and Asia. Frankly, I know he had a ton of success in China when he was there. I believe he was an MVP candidate or perhaps even the MVP with Turk Telecom in Turkey. He has had a a tremendous professional career uh, and I'm happy to see him continuing to play and continue to play well. The Italian league is one of the best non-NBA, non-Euroleague leagues in all of professional basketball. So great to see him having that success on a really high stage. Teased it enough times, want to talk about Rasir Bolton, of course, the Zag who left this last year to go play professionally. Uh, He is playing overseas in Belgium right now with the Antwerp Giants in the top Belgian league. 
He has played 19 games with Antwerp, averaging 17 and a half points per game, as well as three boards, two and a half assists. He's shooting about 44% from three, having so much success. I love seeing former Zags go overseas and dominate in their first season. I remember Silas Melson had a massive first year professionally, Admon Gilder, Gino Crandall won two MVPs in the British Basketball League. Like there has been a ton of Zags who have gone on to have really, really high levels of success overseas. And I love being able to see it. I love finding it. I use proballers.net. For those of you looking to find out how to get this information, you go to their website, you type in any player, you can get updates on how they're where they're playing. And then the last guy I want to talk about here before we close out the show, Martinez Arlauskas. Martinez is a personal favorite of mine. I love the energy, the enthusiasm, his friendship with Drew Timmy. He never materialized into the player that Mark Few and the Zags had hoped he would become coming over from Lithuania, but he was a energetic, enthusiastic bench player, uh, finally decided to leave the program and, and go pursue a professional career overseas back in his home country of Lithuania. And seeing him succeed has made me so happy. He's played 18 games this year with PNO in Lithuania. He's averaging just under 12 points per game, 3.8 rebounds and 2.4 assists. I posted about this a long time ago, kind of right before the actual season started, one of the main things that's been fun about this is Arlauskas is just dunking all over everybody. There's highlights of him constantly just throwing it down, dunking in traffic, dunking on people, out in transition. He is a high-level athlete. He's looking like one of the best players on the floor. And we never got to see that version of him here in Spokane at Gonzaga. But we knew that he was talented. We knew it was there. And seeing him thrive and succeed back in his home country, being a professional athlete in your home country, throwing down highlight reel dunks, getting the crowd energized and enthused, just somebody who so deserves it for what he brought to this program, for the energy enthusiasm that he had in Spokane, to see him getting it back on the other end in his home country. It's just something that warms my heart. And I always want to mention it when I can, because I'm always happy to see Martinez having that kind of success uh, back in his home country. It's going to wrap it up for us today here on the Locked On Zags podcast. We'll be back on Friday recapping this game against the Pilots, getting you ready for Santa Clara on Saturday, and giving you an update on the next weekend for the Gonzaga baseball team. they got a really big series coming up, so we'll get you ready for that as well. I want to thank all of you for making this show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Remind you to join us in our Discord channel. Free to join. There's a link in the show notes on both audio and video platforms. Very, very fun stuff going on there. Thanks again for listening. And until Friday, as always, go Zags.